Listener Production. Have you seen the lines at the passport office? Or maybe even worse, you've been in one. Yeah, well, I'm actually worried about having to be in that line, Rihanna. I... I got my passport renewed and I paid the extra $225 to get it quickly because I'm going to New Zealand next month. But then they said, oh, it's ready, but it's at the passport office. And in Sydney, the lineups have been ridiculous. Yeah, and that's only really one of the offices that has people lining up all day. And I've been seeing all of the stories, people using Airtasker to pay people to be in line for Mm. them, people getting parking fines after finding themselves inside all day waiting to pick up their passports, Um, people driving great distances to their nearest passport office after not being able to even get through on the phone or email. So there's, there's been a lot of these stories coming out, particularly on social media. Yeah, a whole lot of pain. So in this episode of The Briefing, why this passport backlog is so huge, what impact it's having on people and how not to get caught up in one of those queues. There's usually two lines. There's a submission line and then there's the pickup line and the pickup line is usually moving far more quickly. Always try and find the official and say, look, I'm here for a pickup. What line should I be getting into? Avoiding passport hell. That is our briefing in the second half of this episode. First, today's headlines, Tom Tilly and Rihanna Patrick with you. It is Friday, June 24. The PM is about to head to France to try and fix our relationship. Anthony Albanese will be in Spain mid-next week for a NATO summit and will then go on to visit the French president, Emmanuel Macron. It is important that that reset occur. France, of course, is central uh, to power in Europe, but it's also a key power in the Pacific in our own region as well. That's the Prime Minister on ABC 7.30 last night. So, as you might remember, relations between our two countries became very icy when the Morrison government scrapped the massive deal with France to build 12 submarines, uh, instead choosing to prioritise an alliance with our AUKUS partners, the US and the UK. Earlier this month, the Albanese government did announce it will pay French shipbuilder Naval Group $835 million in compensation over the deal. In total, $3.4 billion was spent on the program. Yeah, with nothing to show for it except a damaged relationship with France. Also, while he's in Europe, uh, Anthony Albanese is being invited to visit Ukraine by Vladimir Zelensky, the president. Sounds like he's weighing that up based on security advice before he makes a commitment. It does. And the relationship with France is quite important because France is a central power to Europe and it's also a key player in the Pacific. So it's important that Australia does have this good working relationship with the country. Just think back to that moment where Emmanuel Macron said, uh, I don't think I know about Scott Morrison um, lying to him over the submarines deal. Clearly a bit of ground to make up, but if he's already been invited, Anthony Albanese, it's looking good, I imagine. Sexual harassment and assault is a big problem in the Western Australian FIFO mining industry, according to a state parliamentary inquiry. I was shocked and appalled well beyond expectation by the size and the depth of the problem. That's the inquiry chair Libby Medham. The report from that inquiry says sexual harassment on FIFO sites is generally accepted or overlooked and describe the failure of miners to recognise what was happening. The report makes 24 recommendations, including overhauling reporting and training in the sector and promoting more women into those supervisory and management roles. Yeah, there's also been a suggestion of an industry-wide blacklist to prevent known offenders from being employed on other sites. Doesn't sound like a great industry for women to work in, does it, Rihanna? There's only one in five workers are women, and clearly they're having a very rough trot. 
Yeah, and some of those experiences that women in the industry had faced were colleagues going through underwear drawers, a boss demanding sex in exchange for promotion, and things like unsolicited nude pics. So there's obviously a lot happening there, and it'll be interesting to see how the industry reacts to that. And there's been another damning report into workplace culture. This one is into Victoria's Country Fire Authority revealing a toxic culture of bullying. So this review revealed that nearly a quarter of respondents were bullied in the last year. 8% of staff say they experienced sexual harassment, 9% had experienced discrimination and 10% had experienced violence and aggression. While one in five respondents said that they intended to leave the organisation. The report makes 10 recommendations, including the development of a five-year action plan. It's a pretty bad stat, isn't it? One in five wanting to leave. I mean, that would totally change the organisation and doesn't sound like it'd be too easy to recruit new people into it after this report. No, and I guess that's what you always miss from a workplace is that experience and that skill as well. So when people leave, you have to replace that, but you're not necessarily replacing that with the skill that you've left. And there's a big clean-out coming for the Dan Andrews government in Victoria. Four senior ministers are expected to retire from politics at November's election. Yeah, Health Minister Martin Foley, Police Minister Lisa Neville, Martin Pakula, who oversees the industry support, tourism and sport, and the Deputy Premier James Molino, who wouldn't be drawn on the subject last night. I do appreciate the question, um, but these are individual decisions for for people to make, um, and I'm not going to speculate on my future or the future of my colleagues. So those four are going to join two other senior MPs who've already announced they'll retire. So that's six in total. And so these names, they might sound familiar to you because um, five of them were on the big crisis council that was set up at the start of the pandemic. So they were all through the media as Melbourne went into those rolling lockdowns. And it sounds like there's going to be some big generational change for the Andrews government. The US Supreme Court has struck down a New York gun law which could set a precedent for loosening gun laws across the country. Yeah, the law enacted more than a century ago places restrictions on carrying a concealed handgun outside the home. Now, in the judgment, uh, Justice Clarence Thomas wrote, because the state of New York issues public carry licences only when an applicant demonstrates a special need for self-defence, we conclude the state's licensing scheme violates the Constitution. California, Hawaii, Maryland, Massachusetts and New Jersey have all similar laws which could now be struck down. US President Joe Biden has issued a statement saying this ruling contradicts both common sense and the Constitution and should deeply trouble us all. Wow, that's a big statement, isn't it? You've got the Supreme Court saying it violates the Constitution and Joe Biden saying no, it doesn't. Um, The judgment could have implications for gun legislation currently before Congress as well. Um, which obviously Joe Biden is trying to push. These laws are designed to toughen background checks and beef up penalties for gun traffickers. So, as always, very intense debate about gun laws in America. All right, in just a moment, we're talking about the passport debacle. So more than 2 million passports have expired since the start of last year and hundreds of thousands of those have wanted them renewed in a hurry since travel came back in November. Yes, it's been a complete mess. The Ombudsman has had more than 200 complaints about the passport office this financial year. 
Normally their complaints are in the single digits. So to understand the passport hell that's been happening at the moment, we reached out to you via our socials and Amanda got back to us with this shocker of a story and she had to cancel a family holiday to Fiji. Yeah, Amanda, thank you so much, firstly, for listening to the briefing and also responding to our call out. Uh, Thanks, Tom. It's a pleasure to be on here and to be able to share my story. Okay, so tell us what happened with your passport and this whole Fiji disaster. A couple of months ago, um, I decided with my husband that we would go on a nice little family holiday uh, with my two-year-old to Fiji. International travel is not something that we kind of really thought about over the last two years, obviously, like most people. So looked at the passport, realised that it expired and went, okay, we want to go soon, so let's look at um, renewing that passport. Um, in the meantime, um, we found out that I was actually pregnant and expecting our second child, so we thought we you know, have a limited window to go to a country that doesn't have the same level of healthcare as uh, the country that we live in, that we're fortunate enough to live in. So, um, yeah, I lodged my application to the passport office um, on the 14th of April, so just before Easter, which was eight weeks before we decided to fly out to Fiji. So at that point, we hadn't heard anything in the media about there being delays with passports. I'd been told that by my parents that the wait had gone from three weeks to six weeks. So we're like, oh, yeah, no worries. We won't have any issues. It'll be fine. So rocked up to my appointment at the post office, like everyone has to for a passport, and the lady's like, oh, yeah, it should be done in six weeks, like won't really need the priority um, one. Mm -hmm. So we're like, okay, yep, that'll be great. So I was doing a a passport for both myself and my two-year-old who was getting a new passport, whereas if mine was a renewal. She did suggest that we should do the option to pick up our passports at the passport office because then that would that would save us a couple of days in having to, in case there were delays with Australia Post. So two weeks later, my daughter's passport, uh, we got the notification to say it was ready. It came in the mail, which we weren't expecting, but, you know, seemed okay. So we're like, okay, yep, mine will come soon. And then we got to the seven-week mark and... It was the final day for us to cancel our accommodation without losing most of the fees um, associated with that. I'd been really stressed at this point. I was 14 weeks pregnant. I was still suffering really badly from morning sickness. Like Things in life were quite stressful as it was. So we had this added on pressure of, are we going to be able to make our holiday? And then that's when the media really started picking up on the story and saying, you know, people were waiting up to 12 weeks. The lines at the passport office were really long. You couldn't get through on phone calls. There was no emails. If you did manage to find an email to contact, you weren't getting any responses. We just felt like we were really in limbo and we just didn't know what to do. So we had to make the decision that was financially best for us and that was to just cancel the holiday and risk not being able to go because at this point we didn't know it could take another week it could take another five weeks right so how long did it take after that point unfortunately um we were notified two days after my yeah we cancelled that my passport was ready but we were in a position where we couldn't rebook anything because we didn't know how long it was going to take and we, we did have a limited window with the pregnancy in wanting to travel overseas. So we didn't really have any option to reschedule. And you've missed out on a 
what would have been an important holiday, I imagine, between your first and second child, coming out of a weird time with the pandemic. Are you, are you a bit angry with the way it all panned out? Oh, definitely angry with the way it's panned out. You know, we were so excited to finally, you know, just go and do something relaxing. Um, right. My husband and I haven't really had any time off work since me going back from maternity leave and then the pandemic. So you know, we were just really looking forward to that downtime. Thanks for speaking to us, Amanda. No worries. Let's get an explanation of why this is happening and the best way to get your passport without losing hours of your life or missing out on that holiday. Dean Long is a travel industry expert and he's the CEO of the Australian Federation of Travel Agents. Dean, how did we get into this mess? We got into this mess because about 2 million Australians didn't renew their passports um, during the pandemic. So they got their reminders, they got SMSs, they got emails, and people went, deal with that later, I won't be able Mm. to travel for a long period of time. Um, But because we got COVID under control really quickly and really well, um, a lot of people went, oh, I want to start travelling now. And so 2 million people didn't renew them. There's another million that are, you know, constantly having to renew during any normal year. Um, And so this is a backlog and the system wasn't built to be dealing with this many applications and renewals. Okay. So I guess, you know, borders opened in Australia in November, but then we had the Omicron wave, which subsided in sort of January, February. Is that when the, the, the pressure really started to build up on the passport office or has it come a little bit later than that? We started to see some pickup around then. So you're right, when those borders reopened in November, there was this initial spike and credit to the passport office that they did increase their resources by about 20% at that time. Um, And we thought, well, that should be enough. And they've gradually continued to improve them. But then what happened was, all restrictions for Australians uh, returning got lifted. A number of countries like the United Kingdom uh, lifted entry requirements and people went, great, it's time to travel again. And that just meant there was this, all of a sudden, this massive pickup of people going, oh my God, my passport's expired, I need to get it renewed. And then to be fair, I think there was a bit of a, a rush on the bank scenario where people saw some lines at the passport office mm. and went, they must be really delayed. And that just exasperated. So it, it was a, a little boulder that went into a big one. They're ramping up, but there's still a, a significant backlog to, to get to. Dean, we've seen lines in Melbourne and Sydney, but is this um, reflective of what else is happening in other parts of the country? Yeah, there's lines really everywhere in the country and there's lines um, around the world. So, uh, I mean, at the moment, if you're in Canada, it's it's over three to four months to get your passport renewed. There's no priority system. Um, so if you're really desperate for a passport, um, and, and I was speaking to the passport office just last week, they can still turn around a passport within two days if you want to pay the additional fee. But I think one of the sticking points that we've got in Australia is that our passport is really expensive. And I think if we had a cheaper passport and the government recognised that $300 for a passport is the second most expensive passport in the world, people would be probably far more willing to renew their passport at any time and not wait those couple of extra years. So there's a learning in expensive passports and what impact that has um, when things don't work when they normally do. So do you think it's getting better now or it's still getting worse before it gets better in terms of wait times? We're still advising all of our agencies to be advising their clients to leave six to eight weeks. And if you're doing a child application, allow 12. It'll get better, but I do think there's going to be another backlog towards the end of the year as we go into um, summer school holidays here and people look to go to Disneyland and other places um, now that all those restrictions have removed. So is it the best way to pick it up from the office or to have it mailed to you? I would always say you get it mailed to you. You shouldn't have to be hanging out in lines to pick up passport offices. I know in Sydney and Melbourne, they're opening another three locations. Two have been opened just this week alone. There's another another permanent location coming online in each of those cities in the next two weeks. 
Yeah, so I've got a bit of a funny situation. So I applied for my passport. I had about seven weeks until the trip to New Zealand next month. So I thought, all right, I'll go, I'll pay the extra money because I wasn't doing it for a whole family. It was just for me. And I thought I ticked the box to get it sent to me. But then when they sent me the email saying, oh, I was ready, it only took a couple of days because I, I paid that extra $225. They're like, cool, just come and pick it up from the passport office. I'm like, what? So now I'm working out what to do. Should I try and get on the phones and get them to send it to me, somehow change that setting? Or is it too late? Do I have to go and line up and, and should I wait a few weeks? I've still got five weeks till the trip happens. What do you think I should do? The telecenter is getting staffed with more people coming online. So you could maybe just try and say, look, I ticked for it to be delivered. Is there a reason of it to go in person? But if you've got a little bit of time, you can sort of pick your day. I don't think, though, we're looking at the 12-hour waits that we saw there at the mass panic stage we were seeing across the, the cities. But I, I'm, I am still being told there's a it could be a, a wait of a couple of hours. Um, and the other trick is if you do want to go down there, there's usually two lines. There's the submission line and then there's the pickup line. And the wow. pickup line is usually moving far more quickly. Always try and find the official and say, look, I'm here for a pickup. What line should I be getting into? Oh, that is really good to know. There's so much pain and angst, but it does sound like there is a simple way to avoid it, which is to pay the extra money and make sure you get it mailed to you rather than checking the box to have it go to an office or have the post office check the box for it to go to the office, which is, I think, what happened in my case. And that's it. I mean, the problem is, is that it's it's fine, as you said, you know, you were just renewing your passport for yourself. It's a $200. Yeah, it's expensive, but, you know, you, you do it once every 10 years and, you, you know, next time you'll, you won't have to pay that money. But it, it does become really expensive for families. And and that's the issue that we've got. You know, if you're a family of four, there's an additional, yeah. what's that, $800 yeah. that you've got to pay just for your passport. Um, if you're going to a country that still requires a PCR test before arrival, if there's another $1,000. And that's before you even had your experience. That's before you even yeah. stepped foot into an airport. So the problem is not every family can afford that. Yes, our passport is a really powerful passport. And I think that's something else that we've got to remember. There's a reason why we don't have to fill in forms to go to most countries in the world is because our passport is a safe, secure identity document that's trusted by governments. And it does mean some of those checks and balances take a long time. But pricing of a passport should not be a reason to get a quick service or be able to access a passport. Um, and so I think we've got to get a bit of a review of that you know, in the next 12 months and probably look at some downward pressure on the price of passports and, and make sure the passport office has the resources it needs to achieve the timeframes they're promising. Well, that was Dean Long, CEO of the Australian Federation of Travel Agents. Um, sounds like I've still got a bit of a weight on my hands, but it might be calming down as they bring on more staff and maybe the great toilet paper rush on the passport office is slowly easing up? What do you think? I think you're in for a long wait and maybe have those fingers crossed. Maybe take some toilet paper with me. Perhaps. All right, that's it for your Monday to Friday briefing. Thank you so much for listening. And if you're a new listener via Spotify, um, we know there's a lot more of you out there. Thank you so much for listening. Um, Please subscribe to the briefing so it drops into your feed um, every time we put out an episode including tomorrow's weekend briefing with Jamila Rizvi, where she's uh, joined by Art Simone, who's a fan favourite on RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under. So that'll be a cracker. That interview will be in your feed first thing tomorrow. A big shout-out to the hard-working team here at The Briefing and our colleagues at Triple M Cans for helping set up Rihanna this week. Have an awesome weekend. We'll see you Monday. Listener.